because there's more to do than just lackadaisically walk through life and as a situation occurs, do the best you can as a Christian. That's not what the Bible says at all. That is not what the Bible says. And if in fact, before I go any farther, if in fact the reason you're here is to reproduce for the kingdom, if the reason you were born in this world is to bring more people home when you come, uh, well, uh, how, how good was your last year? In, in the kingdom sense, huh? you may have made great gains toward your income and your mortgage or lack of, but if you're really here for the purposes of God to bring people into the kingdom, how productive was your last year? And uh, I know that people don't want to talk about that, but that's what we're here to talk about. That's what the Bible says. Look at, look at the 18th verse of John 15. It says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. For before you, the woods were put in. Now, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Anybody, anybody seeing that happen in life? Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Verse 21, John 15 and 21, it says, But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. How did Christ come and why did he come? Born of a virgin. No man involved, no physical man involved, because what man touches, he defiles. Not born of the seed of the man, but seed of God, and Jesus Christ came, borrowed Mary's womb, and I want you to give birth to my son. Mary said, I'll do it. I will do it. He said, this one, this, this baby's sent to this world. He's sent into the world. And um, then I want to read to you a couple of verses that shape me. They shake me to the core. Just the idea of them. And it's not, it's not how he ends the statement, not what it really means, but just the idea of these two statements. Verse 22, Jesus said, If I had not come. And verse 24 says, If I had not done. Can you imagine this world today if Jesus had not come? If he refused to be sent? If in that... If in that triune council before world and time, if in that triune council the Lord Father said, I'm going to create this world, and it's going, we're going to populate it with people, and they're going to sin, and I can't, I can't be with sinners. I'm clean, and they're not, and I can't, I can't be defiled like that. And the Lord said, well... Can I go pay the bill? The father said, well, they'll pull your beard out and they'll spit in your face. My son, they'll cut your back. They'll cut your back until they can see your lungs through your rib cage with a whip, with a cat of nine tails that has stones and glass 
iron hooked to the ends of it. That man will know just how to run that thing and he'll strip your back like Isaiah 52 says the furrowed field strips of flesh will hang down your back. And the tree you're hanging on there is not going to be a smooth tree with a lot of gloss finish on it. It's going to have bark on it, splinters. Every time you try to take a breath until you die, you're going to have to push yourself up with your feet that have been nailed to the lower part of that cross. And the sun said, I will. Can, can you imagine that, that meeting that day? I'll go. I will, Father. He said, they're going to beat you. And while you're telling them the truth and the ministry that you'll have on that earth, the years that you're telling them the truth, they're going to mock you, hate you, and devise ways to torture you until they finally think they killed you. I'll go. I'm the set one. Look at the contrast between that and what we experience in people today, not even wanting to follow the Lord into a salvation experience. And so how different, how different, I want to ask the question this morning, how different would this world be if every Christian would go their way? The way that each one of us is sent to go. It's very simple. It's a very simple teaching. And today, this is a very simple lesson. This is a lesson that a Sunday school children should learn very easily. When I was a boy, I lived in a home, and I had authority over me, and I was sent to do some things. And how, how my evening went depended on my performance to that which I was sent. And then I grew up and got a job. And I had bosses over me, and they would send me to a task, and, and the, the, all of it, how it went there, depended on how I performed in the work that I was given to do. Very simple. Very simple. But I want you to know this this morning. There's a little bit of a difference. I want to look at this before I even talk about it. I want to tell you that we are sent. We are sent, and the Bible says so, and I'll read it to you before we leave. We are called here and sent. We are birthed and born in this world, and it was not an accident that you were born. It's a tragedy of the birth that didn't take place, but it is not an accident that we were born. We were sent here by God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, I knew everything about you before you were conceived, and I wrote a book before you were born, and I put a period before you came into being in the flesh, in this world, breathing air. But my book says, this is my purpose for this one. This is the reason I had them born. This is the purpose I sent them to the world, and I know very few parents who are willing to teach or care to teach their children why you were sent here is your only goal in life. Now, you may have some kind of this mind that really wants to go study physics. You may, you may think the medical field is wonderful. And folks, I'm telling you, that may be why you're sent. But it may not. You can know the personal Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ as well as you can know each other in an intimate marriage. 
Jesus said, depart from me to those at the last day. I never knew you. We were never intimate. Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare a son. Look the words up. It's the same word. Jesus is going to say this. We never had face-to-face -face intimacy is what it boils down to in the old language. We never had a face-to-face -face intimacy. You lived your way. You went and did what you wanted to do. Oh, you sure did. And you know what? Oh, yeah, she's a bottle of ashes now. I say this, and I had a man come in one day. He came in, and he was prosperous, very prosperous. And he came in and brought his family like a bunch of ducks. They followed him, little kids, and they sat back in and middle halfway back and he watched me and grinned and grinned and grinned and I said the Lord's not interested in how much money you make he's interested in how righteous you are he looked at his wife and shook his head looked at me and shook his head boy they were shaking their head like a bunch of billy goats and I saw him later I had lunch one day and I saw him I said you haven't come back he said I'm not about to I'm not going to listen to that I said why he said I worked hard to get where I am I said, where are you? He said, I'm not getting in that fight with you. He said, I got a lot. He said, no, I got a boat bigger than the house I grew up in. I said, well, goody for you. Now, before I go any further, the Lord loves to give his children good things. He loves to. It's about appropriation. It's how you use it. It's what you do with it. It's your mind towards it. But there's a reason. There's a purpose that you were born with. And there's a reason you were sent here. And I'm fascinated by a church around me who doesn't seem to be interested in finding that purpose. To stumble through life and to be as good as we can be in the situations that come our way is not what the Bible teaches. It doesn't say just to be a good person to the hateful and to the... Uh, ignorant as well as to the educated and to the kind. It doesn't say that at all. But Jesus said here, now there are two kinds of people in the world. In verse 20 he says this, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my sayings, they'll keep yours. There's two kinds of people we'll meet, those who will persecute us for what we believe and those who will listen. Two kinds. And may I tell you, I believe the second kind is rare. Those who will listen, thoughtfully listen, are rare. And then Jesus says, if I had not come, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that heareth me or he that hateth me, hateth my father also, if I had not done among them the works, if I had not done the works which none other man did, they had no sin. But now have they both seen and hated me, and hated both me and my father. But this is coming to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law, that they hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom what? I will send. When the Comforter comes, the Holy Spirit, which I will send, 
unto you from the Father. What's, that? What's he saying? He's coming from the Father, but I'll send him. You read it? Even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. What's his... Jesus Christ said he was a sent one. He said, the Father sent me. The Holy Spirit is a sent one. Jesus said, I'll send the Spirit. And what are they to do? Well, just for a moment, let's skip over for just a minute. Let's move over to the 17th chapter. Here's Christ's last prayer on earth recorded. The last prayer of Jesus Christ recorded on earth is the 17th chapter of John. These words spake Jesus. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Given what? Eternal life. From whom? God the Father. Look at verse 3. This is the explanation. What is eternal life? And this is life eternal. Jesus, God the Son, praying, speaking, communing with God the Father in an open forum so the world can hear how God speaks to God. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom what? Thou hast sent. Jesus came here on a mission. He had a purpose. He came here. He had a purpose. He was sent to do something. And he's saying back to his father in verse 4 now, the next verse, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He says in verse 3 that you sent me here. He said I finished the, the work you gave me to do. I know my experience. I don't know yours very well unless you lived in the house with me for some years. And I saw my family and I know this. Glorifying the Father. To glorify the Father as the Bible teaches it means this. The word glory and glorify means when we see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said this is a brand new thing. This is a mystery of the ages that the God the Father has given me to explain to you. This is a mystery uh, revealed. This is a revelation of this mystery. Here's what happens when you, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You now have the Holy Spirit sealed in, in you until the day of redemption. It is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is this, the hope of reflected likeness. Isn't that wonderful? There's a hope now in you that God has. God has a hope in you. God has a hope in me that now that we have the Holy Spirit in us, we've been made new by the, by, the, by the saving grace of Jesus Christ, by the blood of the cross. He says, I have this hope for you. Oh, I'm hopeful that you'll reflect my likeness. That you'll walk around in that world and show the world what can be instead of what is. That when you live your life and you believe in me, you trust in me, you do the things I've called you to do, the world will see a difference that they'll really desire to have. That's my hope, that you have a reflected likeness. 
that you look more like the Father. You start looking more like your heavenly Father than your earthly Father because there will be a difference in you that people will recognize and say there's something different there. There's something different there. When the world wants to talk about vulgar things and what they've done and they're boasting, I always notice that you're not part of that. When they want to come and tell you what they're doing with their life and it doesn't line up with the Bible, there's a sadness in you. But I hate you for that. I think you're disgusting for that. You don't want me to enjoy my life. And here's what the saint of God knows who's reflecting the glory of God. You don't know what joy is. You're wallowing in mire and pig manure. You look like a pig and you smell like a pig. And you're grinning the whole time because you're ignorance of what reflected likeness is. Oh, is that right? I don't know. Jesus said it. What do you think of his words? If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had no sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated me and my father. It's a wild story, isn't it? It's a wild story. And then we go to chapter 16 and he says in verse 4, But these things have I told you that when the time comes, when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Look at verse 5 very carefully. Where is Jesus going now? But now I go my way to him that sent me. Can you see it with me there? Even the Christ said, now I go my way. He's not going Peter's way. He's not going Paul's way. He's not going John's way. He's not going the way of Isaiah or even Adam. He's going his way. He was sent for a purpose to do a work, and he said this, now I go my way. When you look at verse uh, 7 with me, you'll see this now. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. It's very good. It's best for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I want to say this to you. I get this. This message resonates with about 2% of the Christian church. I get that. Most people are just not interested. I know what I'm going to do with my life. I know what I'm good at, what I think I'm good at. And brother, that's what I'm doing. I get that. I'm telling you something that will change the universe if you'll bow to it. I'm telling you stuff this morning that will change the world of your children, your future generations, if you will bow to it. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and suffered so we might know these things and we can have the only joy this world really gives in the truest sense of the word. Not particularly always happiness, and I'm telling you, you bring this out and the world will be against you. They just don't have the character to do it. It's just the way it is. Not going to do it. It's a character issue. Not going to do it. But can I say this? Jesus said, I, I now, in verse 5, go my way. 
There, and the Bible says in the Proverbs again, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know what the Lord's going to say to those people? <laughs> hope you had a ball. That's the end of it. I hope you enjoyed every day. I hope your, your proud, uh, arrogant uh, lifestyle that excluded me. Oh, you loved me when you were making money. You loved me when you thought I was blessing your house, but you weren't blessing mine. What kind of people are we? Uh, Lord bless my home. And as long as the people have money coming in, they really believe the Lord's blessing them. Well, that's fine. But can I tell you this? You're not blessing His. We are here to produce for the kingdom of God. We are here not to get as much as we can get. We are here to give as much as we can give. Praise God. Amen, brother. There's about one Christian in a thousand that believes that. I mean, oh, to say you're right, that's right. That's one thing. But to live it. I didn't think it was funny, and I never thought it was fun to come back at the end of the, of the time when I was set to do something not having completed the job. And I sure watched my brothers and sisters meet the wrath of that. And I'm not saying they didn't do what they were sent to do, but whatever, when it didn't work, there were questions and there was a penalty. One particular in my family, but that's beside the point. But this was what I saw. Are you going to do it? This is what I'm telling you to do this day before I return. Are you going to do it? And the look on the face was no. And I heard my own father say to one of his sons, if I come home and it's not done, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you like a dog. And the, and the grin on the face, grin, funny. We're all funny. That's just, with, that's just with a fleshly father in an earthly home. Jesus is not going to beat you like a dog. He's going to say, you now have, you reap the fruit of your doings. I didn't do it, you did it. I'm not doing this. I told you what you would get if you didn't obey, and now it's yours. The eternal flames of hell. Whatever that means. Whatever it means to be in a place so dark you can't see anything else. Whatever it means to be in a place that has flames of fire that give no light, I don't understand it. But I don't want to. I'm not here to understand hell. I'm preaching to the glories of heaven if you'll just bow your knee to him and accept him as your Savior and forever be with him in the glories of heaven. The glories of heaven. It amazes me how many of my cohorts, friends, and companion Christians believe with these lives that we're living, we're going to hear, well done one day. Well done for what? Did you do the job I sent you to do, is the question. When you come back home, when you come home one day and you finish the job and you can say with Christ, I finished the work you've given me to do. I've glorified you. I've reflected your likeness. Now I can truly say that when I did what I was told to do as a boy, I was reflecting the image of my father. He was a worker. A lot of faults. A lot of, down, a lot of downfalls. But he was a working man. And when I would go out and work 
and in my lifetime as a man. In my lifetime as a man. A lot of faults. Everybody, your, your parents have faults, folks. But I'll tell you this. The people who knew my father, if his sons worked hard, they said, I know where you got that. I know where you got that. I know where you got that. Now listen, there are a lot of characteristics of fathers through sons where they can say, I know where you got that. And not all of them are very good. I'm telling you, these babies born, and we have one coming. It'll be cuter than yours, just the way it is. It's in the right line. But I'm telling you this. You have the Lord, Lord give you a baby. Do you know the do you know the responsibility of that? That when they walk out of here one day with Oh, they're believing they're bigger than they are and smarter than they are. They're just kids. They're 19, 18. When they walk out of my house one day, do they know why they're here and what their job is, what their work is to be? Or did we just live together for 18 years and now they can go decide? And that's the crux of the matter. You see with me again in verse 5, it says, Now I go my way to him that sent me. It says in verse 7, I go away. By the way, the way he was to go, his, his, the way he was to go now was away. He was going away. But he sent the comforter. He said him, look in verse 7 with me again, I will send him unto you. And look at verse 8 now. And when he is come, he will. When he has come, Jesus said, he will. What's that? Do you know why we do what we're sent to do or not? It's an act of the will. That's right. The Bible, listen now. The Bible never says, can you be saved today? The Bible never says, can you obey me? The Bible never puts can before a question of obedience. Never does. You know why? God never calls anybody beyond their abilities. But he always calls to the will. Will you? Will you? I used to play with bosses when I was younger. I played with them. Got me ahead of the game just a little bit, but I learned some psychology as a boy, and I know that when they were telling me what to do, what they wanted done, I'd act, I'd act excited to do it. And I will tell you this, I can't remember one of them that didn't come and help me with the job. That may make no sense to you, but it does to me. You know what the Lord wants for us? He knows our abilities. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our inabilities. He knows our weakness. He knows our strength. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what you're in love with. He knows all about you. And all he wants from you is a good attitude. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Will you keep yourself until you marry somebody? Will you keep yourself? That's what the Lord asked. And then I get to stand right here and ask, now will you keep yourself only unto him until you both die? Will you keep yourself only unto her? And I've had people in my experience in my lifetime who say they're Christians that brag about stepping outside the marriage balance. Lord, they don't know the ramifications. They don't know what that Lord. does to the soul of the children and themselves. Amen, brother. You read that in 2 Peter, and he says, no, 
the lust of the flesh, Lord, that wars against the soul. That's the one that wars against the soul. Many things war against us, but the lust of the flesh wars against the soul. The lust of the flesh may not be to be with someone, it's to be away from someone. And if it's called for by the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says here in verse 8 again, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It doesn't say he might. It doesn't say he might. He says he's sent here, and this is his job. When he's come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Verse 13 said, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will show you things to come. Here's my biggest, uh, my biggest dilemma. my biggest dilemma. Christians who don't have a passionate love for this word of God. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. People spend four or five hours a day looking to stop watching the stock market. Watching their what they call their portfolio. friend of mine told me this week, his sister, his sister calls him almost daily and says, well, we lost 40000 a day. Well, we're up 30000 today. Well, we're down 60000 a day. Really? You're going to stand before the Lord one day and say, I watched my money seesaw every day and I just couldn't take my eyes off of it? Don't you want to say to the Lord? I don't understand people who call themselves Christians who don't spend more time in this than they do in the things of the world. I don't understand it. And you, you might be looking at me going, it's because you're stupid. I don't, know, I don't know what you think about that, but I'm telling you my heart is this. I don't understand people who say they're in love with Jesus Christ and don't get in here and wallow like a pig in a mud hole in the Word of God. Folks, I'm telling you one more time, outside these doors and beyond this parking lot is a lie. It's the biggest lie. We're going we're gonna to meet the Lord one day and go, I live in a lie. But you know the issue that's really a problem? The number of people who call themselves Christians who are living a lie. Oh, we live in a lie. In a lie. That's why he said, you're not of this world. You're not a liar. You're a, you're a child of mine. You're not a liar. Man, when I was a little boy, I didn't do my chores. I got, I got in trouble. If I got caught lying, I got a whipping. My dad had said, there's two things I'm not living with around this place, a bunch of little of you uh, liars and, and thieves. I won't live with it. He said, I'll not have it. And if I find out you're involved in one of those things, you're going to hurt so bad you'll wish you never thought of that. And I'm grateful for that. You know what the Lord said? You're to reflect my image. Again, I bring this up to you. What if someone from another planet 
found a Bible. And they read this. This is fascinating reading. And they said, I'd like to meet one of these Christians. I'd like to know from these people what God is like. And they get down here on our planet. They're from another world. And they come here and they say, I'd like to meet a Christian because, man, this sounds something. This tells me this converted new preacher in Christ. I'd like to see that. And he lands his little craft in a neighborhood somewhere and he goes to the local church and he meets the local Christian and he said, well, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think, you think it'd line up with what he'd been reading? Most of my days I'm ashamed of me. Most of my days, I'm ashamed of me. I know what it says. And I tell the Lord I believe it. I don't always act like that. He comes and convicts the world of sin. That's called conviction. The influence of the Holy Spirit in this world convicts people because they know better. They know the truth. They're just not going to do it. If I had not come, you see verse 22 of chapter 15, it lines up with 16 and 9, which says of sin because they believe not on me. He said, if I had not come and spoken, they would not know they were sinners, but they are. Now the Holy Spirit convicts them. That's his job. That's his work. And verse 10, it says, of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Is there, a right, is there a right and wrong in this world? And we can't see Jesus, so how do we know what's right and wrong in this world? And in his absence, does it still apply? And the Holy Spirit says, yes, I'm here. It does apply. There is still morality and immorality. There is evil, and there is darkness, and there is light, and there is goodness. You choose. And he's here to convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Because the prince of this world is prejudged because we've already been told of Satan's end. The Lord says, know this. And the Holy Spirit tells to everyone who will, everyone who will listen to anything, he says this, you'll go down with your king. The followers of Satan will get the same judgment. He glorified his son, and he said, the followers of my son will be glorified one day and share in his inheritance. And the followers of the Satan, of the satanic Luciferian lie, will follow their father and share in his inheritance as well. Eternal judgment. But the fact I want to bring out is this. He says, I sent him. He will come, and he will do the work. That's what he's going to do. Is he doing it? Have you noticed you're convicted when you, when you sin? Have you noticed the world is angry against Christians and against the Word of God? Have you noticed that? Have you? That's His work. And it says in verse 6, 13 here, it says, when he, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you. He shall not speak of Himself. And He will show you all things. That's what He does. That's, that's His work. Now I want to finish with this idea this morning. We'll move rather quickly. I've showed you now that 
going your own way, going your way, the way you're called, to, the way you're sent to go. Jesus did it. That's what I've shown you. He said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. The Father that sent me, he did it. I just showed you from the Word of God through this passage, the Holy Spirit did it. He did the, the work he was sent to do, and by the way, he's still doing it. And so is so is the Lord. Do you know this is a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ is sitting right now next to God the Father interceding for us? <laughs> oh, look at Don. He's such an ignorant little thing. He means well. Oh, Lord, help him. Father, help him. Help him. They're going to send me out of here in a box one day. And I'll have no more time. I'll have no more time to tell you what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. But until then, the Lord, the Lord that saved me and called me to the ministry is sitting on the right hand of the Father, praying for me. Praying for me to do my work. And I'm grateful. Here's what Paul said. I just read this to you in 2 Timothy 4, but here's what I read it to you now. But watch thou, speaking to Timothy, young preacher, Paul says this, watch thou in all things, endure inflictions, do the work not the job, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Live it, my boy. You know the number one thing that I've heard now, the number one thing I've heard since I got in the ministry? Fallen ministers. People love to come and tell me a story that they know about their grandma's aunt's sister's neighbor that has a nephew in his town somewhere whose minister got involved with a church member. You know, what, you know what the Spirit says? Make full proof of your ministry. You live in such a way that they at least believe you believe it. The congregation, the people you talk to, who you witness to when you have breakfast downtown in the grocery store, I don't care where you're at, the ball field, is the other team cheating and the refs are against you? Well, let's be as unchristian as we can. Because I'm going to tell you something about sports. They really matter. That's when you should lose your Christianity when the refs are cheating against your team and your son. That was a... That block was not... Why? And your daughter's over here doing things that God said no to and you're like, okay, honey, you want $100? Hmm? Are you out of money? Paul said, make full proof of the ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. If I told you some Sunday morning they're going to kill me on Wednesday, be good now. <laughs> be good. You follow him. I'm going to be gone now. They told me they're going to take me out for preaching the gospel. Now, you, you be good. And I mean this. You follow the Lord. Pretty calm, I mean. But here's what Paul says. I have fought a good fight. Can you say that? I have finished my course. Is that the way that Paul was sent? I think it is. I looked it up and the course means pathway. Paul said, I finished my way. I did what I was told to do. And I have kept the faith. Listen now. Henceforth, because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, at the judgment day, and not to me only, but 
unto all them also that love his appearing. Now you say this. Well, I love his appearing. I wish the Lord would appear today. I looked at that word love because I knew you were going to say that. You're saying that. You know you are. You're saying that. I love his appearing. Do you? That word love means with an undying passion to be ready to receive. <laughs> Do you love his appearing? With an undying passion. I mean, this is what my life's about. I'm preparing myself for his return by doing those things I'm called to do. I'm sent here to do a job. I used to believe this. I used to believe that it's unfair of me to preach this stuff almost because the Lord called me and wouldn't let me go until I did it. I used to, I used to really struggle with that. How do you preach? How do you preach doing what the Lord called you to do when He made it so clear for me? But you know what? I've talked to a lot of people since then, and almost everybody I talk to knows they haven't fulfilled all the things they were told to do. And the hardest person in the ministry, the hardest person for me to deal with when I was younger, and now it's very easy, but the hardest person were people who were called to the ministry who didn't go in. They will run a preacher nuts. Always, always, always new ideas. Always, They want to live their ministry through the pastor because they know they were called and didn't do it. Can I tell you this? I ignore every bit of that. I am not here to soothe the conscience and the nerves and the feelings of people who rejected Christ's call when they were younger. I'm not going to do it. I'm not uh, thinking about doing it. It's not something that's a possibility in my future. I'm not going to do it. The two guys that run me wild are preachers who are preaching who were not called and church members who were called and didn't do it. I say to this congregation and to every I've ever met, this is what we're doing. Join us or go somewhere else. We're not here to we're not here to change up everything because somebody has a guilty conscience. Boy, I didn't recognize that when I first started preaching. I didn't know what those men were doing. I thought, what is this? What is this? And the Lord told me one day, yeah. They want to soothe their own conscience by not having done the work, and before they die, they want to have their name on something. He said, you do what I told you to do. That's why I heard that as clear, and that's what I've done. And so what about us? Paul did it. The Holy Spirit did it. Jesus did it. They, they did the work they were sent to do. Paul says this now, and I close with this passage. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man, listen carefully, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Every man shall, see, shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, I'm grateful for that. I'm not responsible for what you do and don't do. I'm responsible for what I'm called to do. I'm not responsible for what you do with what you hear. I'm not responsible. It's heartbreaking to watch in some areas, but I'm not responsible. For we are laborers together with God and are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. 
according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise, Paul says, a wise master builder. He says, listen very carefully, I have laid the foundation. There's only one. I have laid the foundation, and another build thereon, but let every man take heed how, how he builds thereupon. You can't just start throwing your old trash on the foundation and call it God's work. He says there is a way. There is a doctrine, there is a truth. And people say to me this, are there areas of your ministry where you're very dogmatic? Yes, there are. The foundational truths of the gospel you're, I'm very dogmatic about. You can't build on a bad foundation. That's right. Dogmatic? Absolutely. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but, 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 let every man take heed. Be careful how you build on that foundation, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so Paul said in, his, in another of the gospel, the, uh, uh, the book of Galatians, Paul said this, if any man come preach another gospel, let him go to hell. Anathema, let him be accursed. And he, and he repeats it twice. If, if another man comes and preaches a different gospel, yeah. if he lays down a different foundation, the building will collapse. Let him go straight to hell. Now that sounds rough. It's the word of God. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, this is the foundation, the one foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day, the day shall declare it. The judgment day will declare what you've done because it shall be revealed by fire People and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, what kind it is. You see in the old Genesis account, it says, Lord, he made this and he made that, and he made them certain kinds. And there were certain kinds, and there were a fish kind, and there were there were a flesh kind, and different kinds, and there's a, those aquatic things, and those grass-eating things, and those seed-eating things. You made different kinds, and there are different kinds of work, and you better build the right kind on this foundation. If any man's work abide, if it lives on, if it, if it, if it passes the fire test, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. He shall. Doesn't say you might. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but... He himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's where my Christian friends get the whole idea of just living for themselves. So my rewards are burning. So I don't please the Lord. So I don't do the, the, the work I'm sent to do. So what? Well, you come, you're going to come into the kingdom smoky. You smell like a little smoky coming in there. And you're going to be set farther from the Lord in the cheap seats in the outer darkness. You don't like that. You like it pretty good or you'd change your life. No, I don't just not like it. I don't believe it. Okay. Boy, that's going to be a day of reckoning when the Lord said, you didn't believe that? I'm here to show you something. It's real, hon. It's real for you, pumpkin. 
I hope you had a ball because now, for the millennia, for the thousand years, it'll be a working from the cheap seats into the place where you can stand with Jesus Christ. And he says, those that were faithful to me, those that were faithful to me will feed me and touch my face. That's pretty clear, folks. So I, I said I would, and I'm reading this to you. It's John 20 and 21. It's John 20 and 21, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Those are big words. As my Father said, how did his Father send him? He sent him to do a work with all the equipment he needed to get it done. He said, I'm sending you the same way. I want you to know this morning, you're sent, and I'm sent to do a work. And I end with this, and this is why people don't care for it. Going our way, our way, my way, your way. There's a way that we're sent to do. It's a personal thing, and we're made and born and brought into this world with just the right abilities to do it. Amen, brother. And I want to say this to you now, to, to do anything less, to do anything less than that thing we're called to do, sent to do, is going to be a, coloss a colossal waste of time at the end of this world. Colossal. I don't care where you live, how you live, what you got, what you don't have. Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. I can tell you right now, my days are winding down. I wound them up for some years, and now they're winding down. I don't know how much longer I have left here. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm a short timer. I'm just saying to this, I'm not building anymore. I'm on the decline. Things that used to be fun are now work. Things I used to do, I can't anymore. It's just the way it is. But I'm telling you this, the Lord shows us every day that eternity is real and time passes quickly. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Look at your second grade picture. Look at your high school graduation picture. Folks, it's going fast. If you want to be mad at me for warning you, I'm okay with that. But I have to. The Lord tells me I have to, then I want to. I want to tell you this. Jesus was sent here. The Holy Spirit was sent here. Paul said he was sent here. And Jesus said, even as my Father has sent me, as my Father sendeth me, even so, the same way, send I you. Now, there's something in there you ought to get a hold of. Folks, if we do that, this world would change. It would go from apostasy to revival. Christians would do what they're sent to do. It would. It always has. Father, again, we just want to thank you this morning for being here. Thank you for walking among us comforting our hearts, pushing out the things of this world that would distract us from doing what you called us and sent us, empowered us to do. And Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that. So much of your church today is absolutely not wanting to do it, not going to do it. That's between you and them. But Lord, while we're here, 
we're supposed to admonish them. And while we're at it, Lord, we admonish our own hearts, our own failings, our own shortcomings. We just pray that you would forgive us and help us, give us strength, help us to understand. We love you. We thank you for loving us. And Father, we pray for these folks this morning in our church. Everything from the healing of COVID to the new cases. The people who are hurting and injured. And Lord, you know each case. We thank you for your faithfulness through these days. And as we've monitored and watched and prayed and spoken to you for them and about them, Lord, we know that you've heard it. And we can't, we can't say how much we love you for that. But Lord, we can show you. May we do that with our lives. May we show you how much we love you. And the fact and the truth is we do it every day, don't we? We show you how much we love you every day. May that increase. May we do it well. May the people in the sound and the hearing of my voice this morning hear one day before your son, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that's our hope. Thank you for what we've talked about this morning through your word. Thank you for giving it to us. And thank you for the truth of it. Now go with us this week. Be with those who are in any way suffering in this, in this group, in extended families. Thank you for who you are now and who we are because of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.